0: Well, holy shit, I actually managed to do it. After procrastinating for ages, I finally managed to produce an audiobook version of the Lunatic Fringe book. It's currently available on all Amazon sites, audible.com, and shortly on iTunes. And if you're the page-turning type, it's also, of course, still available in Kindle form, paperback, and uh, hardback on Amazon. Ten hours and ten years' worth of Blue Skies Magazine's articles, all available to you right fucking now, including a few author's notes and even an apology or two. Enjoy. Enjoy. In a world. Mate, hold up. We said we're done with the serious intros. Who said it? Well, we did. I don't remember that. Well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world. Uh, Hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own, then? Well, technically, I already am, so. Anyway, fuck yeah, pure wild flight. Get it down, ya. How good. Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one well obviously you moron we both do of course i absolutely love the nz aerosports business model i mean come on one glance at an icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality but outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe there's a long list of reasons to say nz aerosports fuck yeah and Zero Sports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got, man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust, like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast or the Petra The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low-pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at aerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos! They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there, with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe into the Void. And, and both of us are on the road. Uh, I keep bouncing to different places. So thank fuck for the internet. Please tell me who the fuck are you and what do you do?
1: Hey, um, I'm Emma. Um Australian and I'm skydiving full time.
0: You're Emma, on the you're road Australian. living out of a
1: suitcase.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean uh I, I keep up with you in regard to your social media feeds and you're never in one place for very long.
1: No, it's been um quite an eventful twelve months. Um I left Australia um Once they opened the borders, so I was trapped there for two years. Before that, I was traveling as much as I could. Um, And once they opened the borders, I just went, that's it, I'm done. And I left and I've only really been back um, for a couple of weeks at a time. Um, So, yeah, it's been nice. It's been kind of like living the dream at the moment.
0: Are you uh, when you go back to Australia, are you like making sure you're keeping an eye on all the alerts so you can get the fuck out of there if it happens to close? (laughs) (laughs) down?
1: To be honest with you, at the start, it was like that. Uh, There was definitely this fear of being trapped there again. And when I left Australia, um, there was no um, date of when the borders would open for me to go back. So it was really strange. They were open. You could leave. But they weren't open to coming in so that was a, a big risk um but yeah thankfully it was only a few months and then i could go back um otherwise i think my mom would be very upset
0: <laughs> i bet, I bet. Um, oh i've got a few friends yeah but definitely
1: it's being stressful
0: <laughs> sure i mean i've got a few friends that are out that way one who jumps out in uh, uh perth and uh he was telling me about the restrictions as they were getting pretty heavy and he's like this is it's insane. we can't do anything. You can't even cross the country.
1: Yeah, we were stuck uh, within WA, the West Coast, uh, yeah, for two years, um, which to be honest with you, was okay. Um, we could basically do anything in the state. Uh, except leave. Um, so really, you were kind of stuck in a bubble, and I could skydive and fly and everything every day. I just uh, couldn't see any friends or family anywhere else in the world, let alone the you know other side of Australia, which was really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you start to get a bit claustrophobic, even if you can still do what you love every day. It's sure. Uh, I'm the type of person that likes to you know have change and be constantly on the moves. So for I mean, me it was really difficult.
0: I can understand the lockdown and not letting people in, but I don't understand not letting people out. Like, yeah, it
1: was strange. It yeah. was really strange. I think they were just worried that people would get stuck um and then ask the embassies for support and they just couldn't yeah provide that support or weren't sure. Yeah, it was it was a strange time. I honestly it's hard to believe that it actually happened right um thank god right. it's over so well we'll
0: uh, we'll we'll skip past all the horrible shit and get into the fun stuff so um yeah tell, how, how did you get started in anything extreme and then specifically in skydiving where did that all start for you
1: uh i've ridden like motocross and um kind of always being an outdoor person uh, my dad bought me um a little Pee Wee 50 uh, with training wheels. So I could ride that before I could basically walk or ride a push bike. Um, But skydiving, I kind of already knew about it. Um, My parents did a skydive uh, when I was like an early teen. And it was definitely something that I was interested in. Um, And I got a surprise uh, skydive for my 18th birthday. And I didn't actually realize that it was a sport. So everything that I had seen around skydiving was that it was just tandems. Um, you know, when I went, it was just one other tandem in the plane. We landed on the beach. Um, there was no fun jumpers. So I didn't actually realize until, you know, my probably third or fourth tandem that it was actually a real thing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that I could do it on my own and I didn't have to keep paying this uh extortion amount of money to um, jump out of a plane um, and yeah I actually decided I was in Mexico Puerto Escondido and I did a, a tandem at sunset and um, my boyfriend at the time was carving head down around me in a wingsuit and we landed on the beach and I was just like that's it like I need to do this um, so yeah I did my AFF and started in the tunnel and never looked back.
0: So, uh, well, you're doing a tandem in Puerto Escondido with a wingsuit carving. (laughs) Sounds like you were kind of already in it, even at that point, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, because Puerto Escondido, that's kind of a a skydivers know about that spot. You know, I mean, that's that's iconic in that part of the world. But outside of skydiving, I don't know granted I only know about it from skydiving but that's all I know about that place is Puerto Escondido they do some badass jumps and you're dating it's a- really
1: well known for surfing actually so it? um, yeah, it's I a big surfing shit. town yeah massive waves yeah <laughs> no, you- but I went for a holiday I just went to my boyfriend at the time obviously was a skydiver we'd only been dating for a few months at that stage um and I went um with a girlfriend we just went to kind of have a holiday and yeah, I saw more of the skydiving scene. Obviously, like you said, it's a very um, renowned place for skydiving and there was so many people there and I was like, wait, this is an actual right. sport. You know, this is something that I can do every day if I want to, so much sure. more than just tandem, so.
0: So when, not to to dwell on your, uh, your uh, boyfriend too much at the time, but- uh, um, No. Did you know anything about what he was doing until that jump? Like, did you have a concept of- none at all or or all of a sudden he's just no, like, insane
1: yeah like kind of like uh he's a bass jumper as well so there was you know very little you know it was still like the beginning of like realizing actually what it was like I had been to the drop zones uh in Perth and um kind of seen a little bit um but it's not the same like sure um as a big event you know like a big boogie where everyone's there and um I didn't really realize the extent to it and I was talking more and asking more questions and realizing that there's like so many more disciplines and you know like such a big process and you know to get licenses and stuff so uh I really started to be a little bit more intrigued and you know ask more questions and figure out, uh, what actually is skydiving.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, so, I mean, I suppose yeah. it's very easy as a non jumper to assume that skydiving is a lot like bungee jumping. It's just an activity that somebody else is getting paid to take you on and that's it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, like I said, that was all I was exposed to for like my first two or three jumps was just tandem operations. And, um, it wasn't until I kind of started dating someone and, um, was exposed to more of the fun jumping side of the sport that I was like, Oh, actually sure. uh, I don't have to keep doing tandem. So, yeah. So
0: you so you got into your AFF and where did you say you did that?
1: Uh, I started in Perth. So when I got back from Porto, uh, it was summer in Australia and um, it's not the best time to learn, especially on the coast yeah, in Perth. It's quite windy. So I started in the tunnel um i did a, like an hour and a half and then did my a f f uh once autumn had come around so yeah, everything kind of started in perth
0: now how did the how did the course go for you Did you fall into it pretty easily or were there were there tough parts or or was it all pretty smooth?
1: I was pretty confident um with the flying side of things. I obviously had a a fair bit of time in the tunnel. So um, the flying I found quite easy. Um, It all was just a little overwhelming. Um, I would get down and I would not remember a single thing that happened. Uh, Um, And I think that happened for, you know, maybe 20 to 30 plus jumps. Um, I felt quite anxious in the plane as well. I remember like, you know, mentally like having to talk myself through you know, being okay with jumping out of a plane. Um, the canopy stuff, I was actually um, naturally pretty good at that as well. I um, was off the radio within, like, two jumps, and I was freaking out, like, are you sure? Like, you like, you've been perfect. Like, go for it. We're still here, but, you know, you don't need us. Um, but canopy was probably one of the hardest uh, parts for me, being such a light, uh, small female um and being on such large canopies it was always you know tricky with conditions um sure. you know the conditions can change so quickly like you know you go up in the plane and it's totally fine and you jump out and then next minute there's you know 20 plus not winds and um, going backwards <laughs> so um yeah for sure I think the flying side of things I was very dedicated um So for me, I um, was always watching videos, always training in the tunnel, and um, I didn't necessarily find it easy, but I was just very uh, body aware. I'd done a lot of kind of like yoga and different um, running and athletics and different sports throughout growing up. So I was very body aware. So the flying um, definitely came naturally to me. Uh, the canopy side has always been a little bit more um, challenging sure. um, and definitely frustrating when I've had to sit out because the weather is not great. So, but unfortunately it just is what it is. I was constantly told that, you know, you're just, it's just one of those things for you and it's sure. always going to be something you're going to deal with. So,
0: Well, and and starting in a place like Perth, I know can be pretty challenging from uh, the friends of mine that uh, have jumped there for many years and, mm-hmm. um, knowing how often uh, conditions, specifically wind, can stand down an entire operation and how quickly they can come. And it reminds me a lot of jumping in Las Vegas because the same thing would happen in the high desert. And if you didn't get good at jumping in sketchy conditions, you didn't jump. Um, So you're kind of forced to get better quite quickly. When you find yourself in a situation where you just jumped out and it was no wind, and now you're getting your ass kicked, so you get good pretty quick
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh learning how to disconnect an r s l and uh, cut away if need be if I'm getting dragged along the ground backwards, so yep. those things that you yeah, you know at fifty jumps you're kind of yeah learning things that um not most people have to deal with, so
0: sure yeah it's
1: definitely it's been good like I'm definitely grateful for the experiences and um, like you said it makes you a better kind of be pilot in a lot of ways because you know you either jump or you don't jump you know if you, sure. <laughs> if you don't jump in it then you're you're not jumping at all so um, yeah like we can be winded out you know 30 knot winds by 11 o'clock um, yeah. Yeah. so it's it's kind of um, yeah it's just it is what it is <laughs>
0: uh, how'd you get past the nerves in the aircraft
1: uh, i was thinking i think i used a lot of like me- meditation and like mindfulness strategies um also just remembering how much i loved it like once i got out i was totally fine but it was just this kind of you know uh fear in the plane um And I just tried to focus on what I uh, was there to do. And yeah, it's strange. Like I look back now and I'm like, oh, there's no, like not even a second thought. But um, yeah, I definitely remember the days where I was like, what am I doing? Like, and then I'm like, yeah, but I really like this. That's why I'm here, you know? And so it's just that,
0: um, and I
1: think we all experience that in life. You know, there's lots of times where I've had that going to a job interview and it's that same feeling, you know, where you're like, oh my God, why am I here? Um, <laughs> but you really want the job or whatever it is, you know? So it's just, I think I remembered, you know, that it was just a life experience. And it was just like, if you want to do this, then you've got to overcome this fear. And you know that you love it once you're in the air and once you're in the canopy. So it's just like getting out the door.
0: Skydivers can be so weird like that because you're right. I mean, I was the same way. I would uh, I had a place on the highway that I could turn around and not feel bad about myself. But <laughs> drove past that point, I had to get on the plane, and you're that in the it. plane, yeah. just doing. Why the fuck am I doing this? And where most people <laughs> try to freak out is leaving the airplane, and that's where a real skydiver gets relief. Once they're out of the plane, all the worries go away, and that's where people that don't jump are like, "Fuck you." That's where I'm scared. You know. So it's- <laughs> It's really weird how we're wired like that, you know, I mean, uh, uh, and you're just kicking your ass going, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is just stupid.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's fun. Yeah.
1: But, you know, it, there's something addictive about it. And yeah, it's fun. And it. I found it very meditative, you know, like getting out and um, nothing else mattered. Like there was nothing else I was thinking about, but I was so present in that moment and I really um, craved that, you know, so... And turns, just the friendships and the,
0: um, yeah. It, it turns the volume down on everything else dramatically. Like nothing else matters quite as much. That, that buzz. No, exactly. Off, no, exactly. It, and it can last quite a while too. I mean, I would maybe get one or two jumps in in a week, but that whole week I was pretty chill. After a week, you start getting edgy again. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, no, exactly. Exactly
0: what did the family think of your uh, starting skydiving?
1: My family have always been super supportive. They don't necessarily understand it, um, but we're a very close family. Um, Everybody knows everything and we share a lot. um, And they definitely know what type of person I am. I'm a little bit more outside of the box and going against the grain and, Um, I can't sit still, so I don't think it was a surprise, um, but yeah, they definitely don't necessarily, uh, want to do it themselves, um, (laughs) but they are supporting me a hundred percent and they see how happy it makes me and, and see what I get out of it. So, um, yeah, they're all for it.
0: Nice. Nice. Now, uh, was there a plan before skydiving? Like, were you, was there something you were going to be when you grew up? before you jumped
1: i i was a a proper adult i um i'm actually a school teacher so i have been working yeah i've been working in education for 15 years um and i love it i love teaching i love um helping people grow and develop and it's um yeah that was my dream job, and I was doing it so um yeah, it was full adult you know houses and pets and all the things um but yeah, so skydiving uh just absolutely derailed <laughs> <laughs> um the life that i life that I thought I was on the the path that I was on, so
0: it can do that right i mean uh I, yeah. I- there's so many different people that had all these high powered careers and have done these amazing things and proper PhDs and people on their way to being full blown doctors or, you know, right on Wall Street and they got bit by the bug. And next thing you know, they're living in a trailer behind the tiki wire, just trying to crank out the jumps.
1: Yeah, that was basically me. <laughs> yeah i had two businesses sold those and um have been yeah trying to take as much leave as possible from my teaching full-time job to pursue uh i mean i still obviously am in education i'm teaching every day um but now i get to do what i love which is teaching and um also what i love skydiving every day so i feel very lucky Um, to have been able to incorporate that. But I honestly never thought I would be um, teaching skydiving. I always said I wouldn't. Like, this is my hobby. Like, I'm not going to mix the two. Um, But I just fell into it. You know, it just developed and it just happened. And here I am. I'm like, how did this happen? How Um, did
0: it happen for you? I I guess. Was there a conscious decision where you said, all right, this is it. I'm I'm going to go 110% in this, or did you just get corralled into coaching and then it kind of creeped up on you?
1: Yeah, it kind of just developed naturally. I, you know, I actually, most of my skydives before I started sky, uh, before I started coaching were um, just two ways I loved two ways. And then you find yourself, uh, being one of the more experienced people and, and leading others and getting asked uh, questions at the drop zone. And um, in Australia, we have um, different ratings. So like sub licenses to free fly. So if you want to uh, fly head up or head down, you need to have, um, it's called a crest. So it's like a sub license. And to obtain that, you need to be signed off by a free fly coach. And there wasn't really many free fly coaches, and there was lots of my friends and people I knew that wanted to get uh this rating. And obviously I wanted to, to fly with as many people as possible. So I ended up getting this free fly coach rating and then it just kind of took off from there. And then um a lot of people were watching my uh, flying um on Instagram and I had Um, Some people ask me to coach them and to come and do some events actually in Dubai. And that's sort of really where it started to take off more internationally. Um, And before that, obviously, I was stuck in Australia anyway. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was definitely uh, not planned and just kind of naturally grew, which is is nice.
0: Well, and I mean really when you think about it the fact that you can uh segue jumping out of airplanes into a career that takes you around the world is pretty fucking cool
1: (laughs) and that kind of when I looked at it like once it was developing like that and it kind of like when I got to Dubai and I started getting asked more and more to coach I had actually planned to only be into Dubai for a couple of actually like a month and then I was heading over to South America um but I just kept getting booked out and booked out and asked, you know, and I was like, wow, hang on a minute. Like, you know, I can really like uh, do what I love every day and, and travel as much as I want. And yeah, it's just, I kind of had that realization then I was like, Oh wow. Like this is exactly kind of what I want. I want to travel. I've always been, um, wanting to see as much as the world as possible and um, can't really sit still. Mm. And then getting to skydive every day is a bonus as well. And getting to teach and be a part of people's learning journey is, um, you know, really special. Sure.
0: How much did your experience with education uh, help in transitioning to teaching skydivers?
1: I think a lot. Um, I think there's a big difference between being a good flyer and being a good coach or teacher. um, They're two completely different skills. Um, Just because you're a good flyer doesn't mean um, that you can coach or that you understand how people learn and um, how to deliver um, the education. Um, So for me, like, I could see it from a different point of view than I think most people do. Um, And maybe that's why I... Progressed as quickly as I did because I could put on my teaching hat and go. Okay, how would I like? How would I teach us how? You know, how can this be taught and learned in a different way um, or the quickest way? Sure. Like, what is this person trying explain, to explain to me?
0: Um, well, and it's a so yeah, I think with, uh, it's a psychology game with each student, though too, right? Because you've got a hundred percent. Read 100%. that student and figure out what way is going to get that information into their head where it sticks, because I don't yeah. know that learns the same way. Everyone has their little tweaks that you need to be able to read and um, apply, and it's it, it it can be a much more of a challenge than the actual jumping.
1: A hundred percent, and a lot of the time, you know, I meet someone for the first time uh, the morning of, and maybe we do like six to eight jumps, you know, and you, you're really on the fly, like trying to figure out, uh, who they are. Um, you know, and everyone's goals are different too. Like, you know, they don't necessarily want to be the best flyer. Like they just want to be able to fly with their friends safely or whatever it is. So, you know, finding out what their purpose is and what they want to achieve. And then, you know, starting to kind of figure out how they learn and, um, take things in and yeah it's it's difficult you know you're doing this within the space of a few hours and such a short amount of time with that person um so yeah it's a challenge I I quite enjoy it and um the psychology behind it is crazy and even like for my own development I know like I'm very hard on myself and but that motivates me as well um but yeah I feel like um the less pressure and expectations you can put on yourself once you go to that moment of learning the better um before that when you're you know debriefing um I'm quite hard on myself and I obviously want to um you know improve and be better um but I think like once you get to that moment you're, either you're getting in the tunnel or going for a skydive it's just like okay I'm just going to have fun. And if I achieve what I want to achieve, then that's great. And if I don't, it's all good. You know, it's always tomorrow. So sure. Definitely. I think uh, the key is like the mental side of it um, and being in tune with how, how you are mentally. um,
0: Oh yeah. Big
1: part of learning
0: the big challenges and the big uh, upsides to instructing were getting really good at playing what I like to call a uh, 60 second psychologist. You know, you've got a <laughs> as a, a long time tandem instructor, I've got to read this person in about a minute or two and figure out how I'm going to keep this person calm and not kill me. Um, and then <laughs> AFF side of things, the huge benefit was finding out how much I was learning Because I was having to break things down um, in a much more simplified manner to somebody that doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about. And you learn so much more about your own flying and what you're doing, which are things that we never usually think about. I mean, when's the last time somebody explained uh, clearly and concisely how to make a 360? It's very difficult, you know you have to break it, yeah, down. it makes <laughs> yeah. sense to somebody that doesn't have any any base for that, so that can be a lot of fun too
1: no, a hundred percent and and that's the thing it's like being a good learner and being a good teacher are two different things um and yeah, putting on the the teaching hat and thinking like how how did I learn this, or how can I explain this in the, in a way that um this person's going to understand and then you bring in um you know obviously we're a very multicultural sport you know so there's a lot of times where i'm having to uh teach people who you know english is like their third or fourth language um (laughs) so having um visual you know visual things to help that and i like to have little dolls that i use and um, videos and things but yeah it's um it's a, a challenge, and I, I I really enjoy it.
0: The language barrier is something that a lot of jumpers don't take into consideration because what you're doing is kind of even outside the norm for a lot of skydivers in that you're traveling all around the world. Uh, and then you go to someplace like Dubai, where every culture comes to Dubai, and you're going to meet someone from literally every corner of the planet at that desert drop zone, uh, and you've got to be good at communicating without necessarily having a a proper conversation and that's a whole new talent
1: exactly exactly and um maybe that person isn't necessarily a visual learner either so (laughs) you know (laughs) there's a challenge in itself so yeah it's um you're right dubai is a is a, a mecca for um everyone to come and skydive and there's so many different um nationalities here which is you know pretty special. Um, but yeah, it's definitely uh one challenge with uh coaching and skydiving you know. And like you said, everyone learns differently. So um we just gotta take it day by day and person by person. And I just think if, you know, it's all about um remembering like why you're here. Like what do we what's the purpose of, you know, being here? We we all love this sport and we wanna have fun. So at the end of the day it's trying not to make it too serious and um, just trying to get a smile in my students' faces.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, that's the big thing, right? Because we've all seen the slightly worn out, kind of bitter AFF instructor that gets mad at their students because their students can't do something that they've never done before that they consider simple. And that was always <laughs> the only thing for me is I can't get mad at somebody for not being able to do something they don't know how to do. That's what I'm here to teach them for. And that's when you know it's time to take a step back and go, oh, wait a second. So it's good that you you, you're. it sounds like you're constantly uh, uh, checking yourself and making sure you're doing it for the right reasons.
1: For sure. And I think, uh, obviously, maybe I have a little bit more experience and patience. I've uh, worked with children for quite a long time. And um, yeah, you're literally teaching them. (laughs) <laughs> i mean what's harder i get asked all the time what's harder uh you know the kids are us and the, you know the adults and i'm like honestly the adults it's like hurting cats sometimes i'm like do you guys want to be here <laughs> do yeah. you want to skydive um but like you said we have a shorter as- attention span and um yeah um it's well, just pretty funny but yeah i think my patience is a bit uh I don't know. I haven't been doing it for as long as most, but um, my patience is definitely uh, a lot stronger than maybe most people.
0: Yeah, I mean, once you've been in it a few years, the the patience starts to wear down a little bit. I, I <laughs> my, my patience started to erode quite quickly once I was flying the plane and not jumping because. Um, Yeah. When you're sitting up front, it's very black and white. I'm supposed to go up and down really fast. And the only thing that's slowing that down is the fucking cats that won't get in the back of the goddamn plane.
1: (laughs) You know, it's very easy that way. (laughs) My
0: my patience went out the window by like year two of flying. But in jumping, um, I think you, as soon as you get out of the airplane and you have a student that finally figures out how to do something that they didn't know how to do that light bulb coming on above their head is so infectious to watch someone the moment they realize they know how to fly, man, that'll, that'll keep you in it forever.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so rewarding. Like being a part of um, education and like someone's journey um, learning journey is just so special and rewarding. So for me, like, that's what I get out of it um, is really just um, helping other people, you know, and like who doesn't want to have, Um, you know, all of their friends and other people being able to be amazing skydivers and we can go on like lots of big, you know, technical jumps together. So like, that's my goal is like making um, people as skilled and um, as happy as possible. So we can all skydive together.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and then uh, there's people like me who always enjoyed being the worst one in the formation because... I'm, yeah, for sure. I'm always jumping with people that I'm going to learn from and and uh when I started jumping again pretty actively in Dubai, I mean, holy shit, talk about the talent that there was to choose from and I've got the opportunity to jump with people that I never would think I was going to be skydiving with and of course I suck compared to these people and that's the fun part. I I like not knowing what the hell's going on. It's fun.
1: No, a hundred percent, like you always want to be the worst in the best group um you know it's nice, but it's nice to be on the other end as well. It's nice to be able to share that knowledge that you've learned, and then it's also for me, it's really important to keep um growing myself um uh, my own flying and um you know keep up with you know um the different ways of teaching. It's nice to hear other coaches and how they explain things and Um, how they lead different lines. Um, So I think, you know, for me, I will never stop learning and I will never stop participating. You know, I said from the start, skydiving is my hobby and it was never intentionally going to be my job. So I will always make time for me. And I think that's really important um, for everyone, you know. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it?
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, do you find... um, You can't give
1: away all of yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, when you're doing all this coaching and stuff, that back when I started, there, there was no such thing as a coach rating. This, this has come about over the last 10 or 15 years that coaching has really become very important. But that also means that there's a lot of competition out there. And there's also a lot of female competition out there. I mean, there's a lot of badass female flyers that are doing incredible things and sharing that knowledge. So do you find that you're in competition for the work or does it just kind of come to you?
1: Personally, I don't see it as competition. Um, I feel like uh, there's so much that everyone can give. And I know, obviously, there's only so many skydivers and so much work out there. But um, I just try and focus on what I'm doing. And I try not to focus too much on what other people are doing um, in terms of like getting work. Um, Yeah, just trying to stay my authentic self and... Um, I've I've personally like haven't found it too difficult for sure I think um, now that uh, everyone's moving again you know less COVID restrictions um, there's more events and more people you know getting into coaching but you know I think the more educated we can be the safer our sport's going to be the more high level of uh, flyers there will be so no bring it on I don't think you know having too many coaches is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. And like I said, I I love to learn from other people. And, you know, there's something to learn from everyone. Everyone has, you know, a journey and an opinion and a different way of doing things. And whether it's your, you know, you like it or uh, you don't like it, it's still, um, you know, good information. Because one day maybe one of your students might find it useful. So, yeah, like... For me, I, I think, especially women, like, I think we need more females in the sport. We need more females in leadership positions. Um, it's a boys club and uh, it's time that, you know, we, even the playing field, but um, yeah, no, for me personally, it's been like a nice journey so far and I've always found everyone to be very supportive um, yeah. for the most part. Um
0: Well, one of the the huge benefits, I think, to having a variety of coaches is not every coach fits every student. And I've had I'm sure you have as well. Exactly. Where you start out and for whatever reason, your teaching style just doesn't match that student. But there's an instructor two doors down who's going to nail it. And I learned very, very early not to take it personally if the way that I presented something just didn't come across, because I also would gel with students that another instructor couldn't figure out. So in that, for the students, it's an incredible benefit, because let's face it, if you're really going to learn, you've got to have a real rapport with your coach or your instructor. It's, it's critical. No,
1: I I 100% agree with that. And um, I'm always saying to my students, like, you should, you know, try and coach with, you know, maybe not do a different coach every day, but, you know, try and um, coach with different people because everyone has something different to offer. um, And you'll find the people that you learn best from, and then you can go back to them. Um, But, yeah, for sure, I've had uh, some students where I'm like, oh, this is just not a good fit and you know, that's okay. And you do your best. And, um, yeah, it is what it is.
0: The biggest place that I found that apparent for myself personally was in the wind tunnel. Um, I started out as a, as a wind tunnel brat back in the uh, way, way back in flyaway before there were any modern tunnels and found out after I had gone to Dubai quite quickly that all my tunnel time did not transition into a modern tunnel at all. Just meant Jack shit. (laughs) And I would go through different instructors and um, I found it difficult to find instructors that I gelled with because as a tunnel instructor, you guys nowadays have a lot of restrictions on how you have to fly your students that I didn't have back when I was an instructor. And to find an instructor that would give me the wind that I needed to fly a bit more to make the mistakes, trusting that I know how to cork out without hurting myself and all that was tough and actually one of the best is a guy I'm sure you knew very well which is uh, Omar Mohammed he was just on the podcast um mm-hmm. he was fantastic cuz he'd let him turn the wind up and and let me screw it up and fix it and that's personally how I learn so that was where it was most apparent and and you do tunnel coaching a lot of tunnel coaching as well don't you
1: uh i don't do too much tunnel coaching no i kind of just started um but I fly a lot in the tunnel personally. It's kind of more my place that I can go and develop. Um, but I know exactly what you're saying. And I think it's just uh, unfortunately more corporate politics uh, sure. that um, affect those sort of things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree though. Sometimes you do just need to be given the space and the freedom to figure it out Um like we said, everyone learns differently. So
0: well, and I, I get it and I understand the policies from the modern tunnels. I mean, we're talking about multimillion dollar businesses that can't risk, you know, some idiot like me bending themselves and, and potentially <laughs> either trying to bring a lawsuit or just bad enough, just the, the bad uh reputation that you can get for breaking students. So I get it. I completely understand it. It can't be like the days it was when I was an instructor in flyaway. Where we would try and sail people up to the top net, just burbling them and doing all kinds of crazy shit that now is just way over the top. There's and no she, way. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, I remember when the modern tunnels came out and, and they were saying wall to wall air and all of us flyaway guys are like, what? That's not fucking possible. Well, we were wrong. <laughs> So, uh, do you see? Uh, um, uh, is there any competition in your blood? Is is uh, is it more about instruction and and just self growth, or are you looking to go out and kick some ass?
1: I definitely see uh, competition uh, in the future. It's not honestly. I don't enjoy competing. I enjoy training. So for me, it would be just about the training aspect. Um, maybe one day I will like competing. I've competed a little bit in the tunnel, um, and a couple of times in the sky, just nationally, um, like domestically in Australia. Um, but yeah, I don't know, um, if I'll ever love it, (laughs) I'm definitely going to do it. Um, I like a challenge. Um, and it's something, if something, uh, is scary to me, like I'm, I'm fearful of it, or if it's something that I'm struggling with, then I it's kind of I'm like a dog with a bone. I'm like, all right, you will not conquer me. I will not let you win. So, um, yeah, it's definitely like a fear that I want to overcome. And I think that's just the mental side of things. Um, So, yeah, once I can let go of the expectations and enjoy the journey, um, then yeah.
0: What would be your? uh... Yeah,
1: let's see. I, I I do. I well, do either free fly or freestyle. Nice. Yeah, either free fly or freestyle. I think. Um either one. I've like the past year actually I've been um talking and trying to find some teammates. And yeah, there's definitely potential on the horizon. Um so yeah, let's see.
0: Nice. Got a little scoop there, did we? <laughs> That's cool. So <laughs> yeah. So, uh, especially with, uh, um, as much of your background being dealing with students and coaching and all that, um, one of the groups that I work with quite a lot, uh, is a Facebook group called the beginner skydiving forum. And believe it or not, there's actually more members on that group than there are USPA members. I think there's 50, 52,000 members on this page. Uh, and a lot of people, Uh, are, they seem to be floundering a little bit on how to get started and how to kind of focus themselves. And so I always ask people, especially instructors and coaches, what kind of um, tips and tricks and, and advice they give to either people that are thinking about jumping or newer jumpers looking for a bit of direction.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very overwhelming. I remember, you know, when I first started and there was just so many disciplines and so many opinions and so many different ways of doing things. Do you do the tunnel? Do you not do the tunnel? Um, but yeah, I think they really like, my um, advice is just to like, think about why you're doing it. Like, what is the purpose? Do you want to compete? Do you want to just do a, you know it with friends? Is it just a weekend thing? Is it an everyday thing? Do you want to work in it? And once you kind of have a bit of a purpose, you know, then you can find that direction. And I think, like, just take it day by day, like, break your goals down. Um, I think the biggest thing that I find um, with students is, you know, they have less than 100 jumps and they're like, why can't I fly head down? And I'm like, you're a baby. Like, you cannot walk right now. You're, You're, you know, you can barely crawl. So I think it's, like, enjoy the journey. Um, kind of like be present, and, yeah, remember how far you've come, um, and we've all been there, you know, we've all been on the same journey, frustrated, um and like, yeah, wanting to obviously be be better, so but yeah, I think the first thing is just like find your purpose, your goal, and then enjoy the journey, just sure. take it day by day.
0: It's funny how perspective uh, uh, changes, because I remember, especially when I started, God, 27 years ago, somebody with a couple hundred jumps or, oh, my God, a thousand jumps. That person was a fucking God. Like you couldn't conceive of a thousand skydives was just too past uh, a reality. You just couldn't cope with it. And now somebody with hits their 10,000th and then you're like, yeah, congrats, man. That's cool. It's just the, that's <laughs> yeah. that I think has changed over the years, too, is jump numbers come so much faster, or at least they seem to come so much faster to people because the people that are really motivated find themselves in positions either like you or gra- gravitate towards operations where they can really jump their asses off. And I mean, man, oh, man, I mean, 20, 30,000 jumps is not unheard of anymore. So you talk to that person that's pissed at 100 jumps, but that person with a hundred jumps and five hours of tunnel is probably going to outfly me, and I got twelve thousand jumps. <laughs> <laughs> so no levels gone yeah, this you. is it. Yeah,
1: no, hundred percent. And the, I think that's the the other thing, like another piece of advice, and what I try to live by is just like focus on yourself. You know, like where, where are you at and what do you want? And don't worry about anyone else. Um, Everyone's on their own journey and you can't compare. So yeah, yeah, whether you've got 10,000 or a hundred jumps it doesn't really matter as long as you're having fun.
0: Absolutely. That was one of the luckiest things that ever happened to me in the sport was I learned quite early that I had almost no expectations for it. And I was just having a good time and I never needed to be the best of anything in skydiving just as long as I was safe and and enjoying myself and and safe with everybody else. So I was lucky in that respect.
1: Yeah.
0: Competition. That's an
1: awesome place to be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was just for fun. I never, I never had to be the top of the charts and I've said it a billion times on the podcast. Nobody ever wanted to watch me swoop a canopy or do anything like that.
1: (laughs) What's on the calendar? No, it's sometimes.
0: Oh, please, please go ahead.
1: No, it's just like sometimes you, you forget and it's, it's easy to be overwhelmed and, um, you know, especially now with social media and oh. um, there's so much to compare and, yeah, it's, it's easy to lose sight of, like, your own goals and purpose and sure. not, get, not get disheartened, you know?
0: Actually, you bring up a good point because I know you've got a pretty decent social media presence. Um, And I've seen a lot of your jumping and stuff on social media. What do you think social media, how do you think it's impacting the sport? Because it definitely is.
1: Yeah, it's impacting it greatly. Um, I think uh, the possibilities uh, are huge, you know, and just being able to see um, what everyone is doing. um, It's kind of, I think, um, fast tracking progression. Um, people are exposed to, um, yeah, so many different things that they might not necessarily have seen in the past. And it's kind of, um, almost like a, like a tit for tat. It's like, okay, they did this. I'm going to try it this way. Um, I feel like it's really like, um, we're being more innovative because maybe, uh, for a few years, it got a bit stale where there wasn't many new things happening. And now it just seems like there's like something new happening every week. And I'm like, what, like, how did you even think of that? Um, which is really cool. Um, and maybe that's because, like you said, there are so many people now that do have like 10,000, 20,000 skydives, you know, the experience level, people are staying in skydiving and it's um, it's growing. It's becoming, you know, uh, I don't know, like an, an older uh, sport, you it's know, I guess it's, it's, it's more established, you know, like, yeah, it's more established. It's not. Um, yeah. But we're still being innovative. Like <laughs> yeah. there's still new things happening every day. Um, but yeah, it's, um, we used to watch, you know, the YouTube videos of wingsuit proxy flying. And now it's you, you open Instagram and you see 20 different, you know, um, XRW proxy flying down a, a mountain. I know it. So know.
0: Some of the stuff I just watched a, a, a clip of uh, Danny Roman maybe a month ago swooping, uh, uh, buzzing, hit a landing, yes. area, a wingsuit flaring and turning around and landing on that. Uh, I mean, fuck me. And Danny's a yeah, bad <laughs> <I> th- badass. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: Absolute badass.
0: That was my response on his, on his uh, uh, video as I posted, are you, Danny, are you fucking kidding?
1: <laughs> yeah. But this is what it feels like to me. It feels like because we're seeing What everyone's doing, it's kind of like motivating other people to do more, and yeah, yeah, it's pushing the sport you know, both sports, um, skydiving and base jumping in you know different directions. That I don't think would be the case if we weren't you know, um, seeing everything on social media every day.
0: Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, although I do, especially when it comes to base jumping, I think it's a double edged sword because it's
1: a hundred percent
0: absolutely pushing the progression, but it's also pushing people to do some stupid shit. They're not qualified for In yeah. Both sports.
1: Yeah. In both sports. In both sports. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, for sure.
0: And that we, we, we don't need to get into that too much, but it's a shame because you've got people following the lead of um, people like Danny who are, extremely experienced and at the top of their game. And then you've got some guy that just figured out how not to die on a wingsuit, trying to (laughs) thing. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is it. There's pros and cons, you know, there's good sides of the education, you know, and people can, uh, you know, there's positive things in it that people are learning. And then there's maybe negative things that people are probably trying things that they're not ready for. And this false sense of, you know, because they make it look so easy. Like you said, yeah, fucking badasses making it look so easy. And maybe there's, you know, uh, a lack of education or people don't realize the experience level. Like I know for me, like I wasn't really a big, fangirl like I didn't really know much about the history of skydiving or like who was who or um yeah and I met a lot of people early on and I didn't realize till like maybe a year or so later and I was like oh that person is actually a big deal <laughs> yep, yep. um so yeah people probably don't realize the experience level that some people have um like you said you know Danny's a badass and um don't try this at home, kids, should probably be put at the beginning of it. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the biggest thing with that uh, is know thyself, right? You know, I mean, realize that you're not at that level. You can get to that level, but there's a progression, you know. And it's funny to say uh, the history of skydiving. uh, It was never more apparent to me than it was in Dubai. Actually, out in the desert campus, um, this was the first, first or second year that I was out there. And I was having a conversation with Olav Zipser, and one of the younger fun jumpers was standing there, kind of listening in and chatting back and forth. And Olav walks away, and the fun jumper was like, "Oh, he's pretty cool. Uh, Who is that?" And I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? That's like asking who Bill Booth is. That's I was." I'm Like, how can you not but you know don't
1: me? know what you don't know? Yeah, yeah I, I know, know, but
0: me as a, you've as been an,
1: exposed to
0: as an old fucker in the in the sport, you know, I grew up watching Olav and and uh trying to imitate him and Omar Al Hijalan and all these rock stars, and yeah. so to have somebody go, Who's the, the old gray-haired guy? He was kind of cool. I'm like, oh <laughs> fuck no. That's so long.
1: I would have been that person. I would have been that person. Yeah, (laughs) I was terrible. I had no idea. Like I said, I didn't know skydiving was a thing. So for me, it was like it developed as I started skydiving. And then even now, like I still have moments where I'm like, who's that? (laughs) And people are like, are you serious?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure the other thing that you'll agree with that's the coolest thing about skydiving is it's so inclusive in that even if 100%. you don't know who those people are, I, I have yet to meet a jumper of a Olav's caliber these days that isn't happy to give a little bit of time to sit and chat with people or give a tip or a little bit of advice. I mean, it's incredible who you get to rub shoulders with in this sport. You know, I mean, for lack of a better word, heroes in the sport that no one outside of skydiving will ever know who they are. But to us, I mean, they're fucking rock stars. But they're also friends, which is so cool.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're very lucky, you know, to have so much experience and so many humble people, like you said, like willing to share. And yeah, it's beautiful. That's one of my favorite parts of skydiving.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just the people. I I, I talked to a a friend who had recently hung up skydiving um, for his kids. Um, He's like, you know, something for me right now, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze with the kids. So I'm going to hang it up for a while. And my response to him was, even if you never pick up another rig, you're a skydiver for the rest of your life. You're in the community. You know? yeah. you're, you're one of us. And that's really cool to know, especially for somebody like me getting towards the end of the career where I'm not going to do nearly the jumping that I did, but to know that I'll always be a part of that community is really amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's special. Like friends, you know, it's weird. I've never been a part of a community like this. And I've, you know, like I said, done lots of different sports throughout my childhood and into my adulthood. And I've never, it's so unique. It's so like, everyone is just so welcoming and, you know, um, yeah, it's just crazy to think that uh all of us misfits are (laughs) in this together and
0: (laughs) you know you've got a sofa anywhere in the world which is pretty cool
1: literally yeah yeah that's the coolest thing and people you've never met even you know and that's also another crazy thing with social media like i have people contacting me and um you know, you, you almost create these friendships with people that you've never met. And then, you know, you go meet them somewhere, you actually meet them face to face. And it's like, you've known each other forever, you know, and you've yep. never actually met. And and that's really special as well. Um, you know, that I guess social media allows for that. Um.
0: Yeah, for all its downsides, social media keeps uh, Scott Evers connected in a way that I don't think it does for a lot of communities. Um, and For as much as I'll bitch and moan about Facebook or Instagram, I have been able to maintain friendships much closer than I ever would have and kept in touch with people that I never would have seen again um, simply because of it. So for that, I can never bitch too much about social media because it keeps me connected.
1: For sure. For sure. And it like we said, there's pros and cons, but um, I think for the most part, there's a lot of good.
0: Oh, yeah. So, uh, what's on the calendar as uh, as uh, we're through or into January and and coming up on the season? Where where are you going to be off to?
1: So, I'm still in Dubai. I'll uh, be here for another week, and then I'm heading back to Australia for a few months to do some family things. I've been avoiding that for a little bit. <laughs> um, my brother just ha- my brother just had twins, so first time auntie. So. Um, yeah, go and spend some time with the family and then, yeah, Europe and America and probably back to Dubai. So it'll all, yeah, it's all kind of starting to come together. Um, different events in Europe and America are being planned right now. So, yeah, it's, let's see.
0: Nice. So for people that want coaching from you or they just want to come up and say hello, um, how are they going to track you on social media? How are you going to post your, your events and calendars and stuff? Where, where do people go?
1: Yeah, so I keep most people updated on Instagram. Um, My Instagram is underscore E-M-Y-V-O underscore um, M-E-V-O. And yeah, most of the things that I'm doing are on there. And uh, yeah, you can message me on there if you want to fly with me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you just finished jumping too. So I thank you very much for taking the time to decompress by sitting in a little room in front of a computer for an hour. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no worries yeah it's uh hard to sit still for this long but um you're worth it
0: that's why i keep them dead about an hour because that's about all we can, <laughs> Right. well yeah. I, again i thank you so much for the time it was a blast catching up to you i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what potential competition and team stuff might be in your future and to see where it all goes
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: yeah absolutely you take care And there you have it, another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com by Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on youtube that's right you're gonna have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to youtube.com and looking up the lunatic fringe podcast it's easy hit the like button hit the subscribe button check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had as well as new and upcoming interviews on video as always i am the fucking pilot head to the fucking pilot.net or the princess pilot.com thanks for joining we'll see you next time around